Good evening, everyone. I always love to tell stories. I started this project called the Komali Initiative, which is a project that helps farmers to have access to water for farming all year round. I always conceived the idea, but there was nothing to push me to do it until I came into contact with the Resolution Project. Hello, and welcome to the Resolution Project's inaugural podcast. You just heard from Gervais Adams, a Resolution Fellow from Ghana, speaking last month at our Resolve Gala. My name's Jared Proudfoot, and I'm the Communications Coordinator here at Resolution. It's November 2017, and I'm joined here today by George Siadis, CEO and co-founder of Resolution, and Oliver Libby, Chair of the Board and co-founder as well. All right, so since this is our very first podcast, George, why don't you take it away with a quick summary of what we do here at the Resolution Project? Thanks, Jared. So Resolution funds, mentors, and supports undergrads who are starting social enterprises. Usually it's their very first social enterprise. It's a foray into uh, their careers, really, uh, launching those early while they're still in college and focusing and orienting those careers around impact. So it's really exciting to literally uh, make young people's dreams come true, help them create change in their community, support them through that process, through that learning, and through that discovery, uh, and to uh, have an entire organization that's dedicated to to their growth, their leadership, and their success. So uh, that's what we've been doing here at Resolution. We spent uh, pretty much the past 10 years uh, building that. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of learning and growth and development for us as well. Uh, and you know, we've reached a point, I'd say, 10 years down the road where uh, we're able to look back and and see that we've we've accomplished a few things. I mean, the numbers themselves are are really starting to pop out, and it's uh, it's been it's been thrilling to see that. Yeah. Uh, hey guys, I'm glad to be here too. It's Oliver. Um, you know, the numbers are actually pretty staggering, especially when we figure that we started this thing sitting around a coffee table. Um, there's 372 resolution fellows uh, all around the world, and sometimes they pair up. So there's 227 social ventures of all kinds uh, spanning the world. And when we say spanning the world, the, we really mean it. It's 20 states across the U.S., uh, everywhere in our country, and then 70 countries around the world. So, Do you know where Comoros is? Uh, I do, because we have resolution <laughs> fellows there. Resolution. So, yeah, if you ever want to learn geography, just check out the resolution website. Um, and, you know, what's, what's amazing to us is we had this idea 10 years ago that if you could ask college students who are always told that they're tomorrow's leaders, so they better, you know, study up because they're going to be important one day, uh, that if we gave them the chance and the ecosystem to grow uh, an idea that would help their local community, that that would turn them both into more effective leaders and leaders that had a deep social conscience. And that was a theory. We're happy to report that on the eve of our 10th anniversary, we were right, um, and that across all those 372 fellows, they've actually helped over 1.25 million people. And that's helping them with clean water, with food and agriculture, with education, with empowerment, uh, you name it, Resolution Fellows are doing it. And it's, it's really, this global movement. Really both, both life-improving and, in some cases, life-saving uh, support. So it's pretty, pretty incredible stuff. Those are pretty impressive numbers. I feel like those numbers grow and grow each day. Well, recently it actually has been almost every day that we've been adding some fellows 
We just got back from Bogota, Colombia. Beautiful city. Very high altitude, by the way. Uh, was pretty tired for the first couple days there. Um, but we were there for the One Young World confer- uh, conference, and we had one of our competitions there. So, uh, by the way, George, it probably would make sense for us to quickly step in and define that. The way that this all works is, if you've ever seen Shark Tank, uh, it's essentially like Shark Tank for college students, and we partner with awesome youth conferences. So One Young World is massive. It happens every year. They do an awful lot to bring an amazing group of students to a different city. So this year was Bogota. I didn't get to go, so I'm actually a little jealous, (laughs) uh, although I didn't do lightheaded SVC judging, so that's better. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so you know, Shark Tank for college kids, and what we do is we, we listen to some amazing pitches, and we find those college kids who are ready to start their social venture today and invest in them with this lifetime fellowship that we have. So since I wasn't in Bogota, tell us about a little bit how that, that was. Well, so there's this, uh, this amazing potato soup called Ajiaco, uh, which just has... Oh, you mean the con- the conference? <laughs> the conference, yeah. No, so, but, but I mean, I'm down with potato soup any day. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Uh, just just what the doctor ordered. But um, no, so we had uh, we had about a, a dozen competitors that came to us with ideas for how to change their communities, how to change them for the better, how to bring a, a market based solution to bear uh, to fix a problem that they saw every day. And so we ended up selecting four new fellows. Um, who actually all happened to be uh, from Africa, um, which was not expected. We were in South America, and they had they were attending One Young World, and they had really really impressive uh, projects. Some around uh, education for equal education for women in their home countries. Um, some around innovation and uh, and uh, training for uh, for high school students in design thinking. Um, to really help expand educational opportunities. Some pretty cool ideas. I think one of the things that brings this home for me is, didn't we have actual Resolution Fellows who we picked at prior One Young World conferences there? I mean, that's got to be awesome to be able to kind of see that generational impact as we grow. It was It was also really cool because actually, uh, in so many ways, our guide to the city was, was Maria Castillo, who is Colombian. And so for her, this was an opportunity to, to be at home to be celebrated, frankly, for all that she is accomplishing with her social enterprise called Aptica, um, and uh, and really also to share a part of her life, uh, certainly with us, but also with other resolution fellows. We had a bunch of other resolution fellows that were there that were were speaking about their various uh, their various ventures, inspiring other young people. We had Suman, who's from Nepal, started a project called School Relief. He had put together about uh, 5,000 temporary shelters after the earthquake. He's an engineer and uh, ended up providing shelter for over 26,000 people in Nepal. Really, really incredible work. He realized very quickly that the educational system, the schools were suffering uh, because they'd been knocked out by the earthquake too. So he put together a program called School Relief and built a first earthquake-resistant design, first earthquake-resistant structure. It's totally modular and very scalable. And uh, the building collapses out in case of an earthquake, and the first one's already deployed, and he's in the process of introducing it across the country and scaling it. He was 
really, really inspiring. He was a rock star. Everybody there wanted to have a conversation with him about the incredible work he was doing. I mean, to me, this is like the hallmark of resolution, right? I mean, that's something that works in Nepal, but frankly, we've seen some natural disasters, uh, more about which later, uh, and it's a solution that could as easily work in parts of the U.S. as it does in Nepal. In fact, on that subject, we had another social venture challenge competition. Uh, this one was very near home for resolution up at Harvard and in, in Cambridge. Um, and for me, uh, it was an amazing experience, especially because as someone who works in the venture capital space uh, in my day job, um, I got a chance to meet some incredible social entrepreneurs who want to address critical issues in this space. So Timmy, for example, was one of the winners and uh, identified something which is really pervasive in the tech industry, which is that uh, there is a lot of selection bias, um, uh, both gender-wise and ethnically, uh, in engineering for tech startups. Uh, and so he came up with an awesome idea for a blind tech-based system to select engineers and technical expertise uh, for startups. And that's something that I think could have an enormous impact on an industry that really does need new solutions for that topic. And in fact, uh, staying with the theme of things that are near home, we had another SVC winner who had a project for um, better college counseling for kids in New Jersey, at least starting in New Jersey. But yet again, something that's as relevant to New Jersey as it's going to be in Arizona or Florida or anywhere in the country. It was also amazing because the SVC in Boston, the Social Venture Challenge in Boston, uh, was happening just a day after uh, another one of our fellows, Gil Kendi, who started Project 99 kicked off her 30 by 2030 campaign, uh, which is designed to, uh, to push business um, to build leadership for uh, black and Latinx um, uh, employees to become a representative portion in their workforce and in their leadership of what they are in the population. So it was really timely and, and really, really cool to see those things happening side by side. Yeah, I think um, you know one of the stats there is that in the United States is 30% black and Latino, yet only 3% of the C-suite come from these backgrounds. So really uh, important and timely topic. Well, and by the way, Jared, uh, not for nothing, but our fellowship is incredibly diverse. So you want to talk about the socially responsible CEOs of the future? We have them now. And if you look at the Resolution Project's website and just flip through the faces of our fellows and the work that they're doing, I think you'll find that innovation has no borders, it has no colors, it has no background, especially, you know, it's just people who have great ideas to improve their communities. Or even better, it has all of them. That's right. <laughs> so um, there was two really amazing uh, so social venture challenges in, in Columbia and in, in Boston here. Um, let me ask you guys, to put on such amazing challenges like that, how do you pay for it? How does Resolution Project put on these uh, challenges? Well, everyone who listens to the podcast immediately goes to the donate. Ah, no, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we just had an awesome eighth annual massive Resolve Gala. So that's what we call our big annual fundraiser. And I got to say, every year tops the year before it. And this year was no exception. Uh, we just had a really warm, incredible feeling in the room. And we have to tip our hats to the events team. There are so many parties that you can go to for charity where you just don't know what the underlying mission was about. You have a good time and you walk out and you're like, what was that after all? At the Resolve Gala, it's just incredibly inspiring because you get a chance to learn about the mission. It's a fun night. It's amazing. And we had a lot going on. But we had 28 of our fellows in the room, which I think, George, is it a record. Was, it was the largest single convening of fellows ever. 
sneak peek, not for long. We're working on some stuff. So whenever we have, uh, you know, sort of critical mass of fellows, it's always really, really exciting because we see the way that they're connecting with each other, the way that they're trying to figure out ways to, to collaborate and, uh, you know, sort of build partnerships or, or bring their various um, projects to new places through one another. Um, and for me, it's also really exciting to, to see some of them who I haven't seen in a while. So we had a few uh, a few fellows who'd come in from especially far away and had been a little while. Um, Gervais came in from Ghana. He'd had, uh, I believe it was about 36 hours of traveling by the time he got to us uh, between stopovers, bus routes, and everything. Um, and he just had the same energy he always does. Uh, he shared a few words with us that evening. Good evening, everyone. So um, my name is Javis Adams, and I'm from Ghana. I run a project called the Komali Initiative. I'm from Northern Ghana. And I, I always love to tell stories. So I grew up in Northern Ghana. And where I grew up, all, all the things, most of our parents are subsistence farmers. So when I was growing up, I grew up in a family that my parents were farmers. They didn't have access to water for farming because the region in which I live in, we have water for four months in a year. That's rains. And for the rest of the eight months, we don't have water for farming. So it was a big challenge for me. It was a big challenge for my family. It was a big challenge for the whole community because it's a problem for students, to, uh, for parents to fund our education. And I always use myself as an example that I came this far because every day after school, I went straight to the market. I carried load on my head to make money to be able to pay for my education. After that, I got a scholarship and I had my first degree and I'm here. So it is because now all these challenges that we went through, so I have always been thinking about it. One of the best ways I thought I was working around it was youth empowerment, just to talk to young people, to get them to believe in education and to work hard, no matter what the situation they found themselves. But I was doing it and I could not, I remember some few days ago, I was talking to a young girl and she was like, I love to work hard, but I'm very, I'm not sure of what my parents will do because they can't pay for my education. So I started this project called the Komali Initiative, which is a project that helps farmers to have access to water for farming all year round. And that is, it provides irrigation systems. And I, I always conceived the idea, but there was nothing to push me to do it until I came into contact with the resolution project. And from the first day I met them, my dream came into being, and for me, I have been working on that. I set up gardens and I provide water for these farmers and I find joy. I drive big time satisfaction. I graduated in, from school this year and I'm working on the project full time. I love doing it. And today I am doing it because Resolution made me so. So for me, Resolution Project is only the project that believes in you even when no one believes in you. And it gives you the platform to show yourself and keep on moving from there. As I was saying, tomorrow I'll be moving to uh, busting for the Clinton Global Initiative. Now, Clinton Global Initiative could not have gotten me if Resolution had not given me the opportunity before. So I want to say a very big thank you to Resolution. I want to say a very big thank you to everyone here that has been uh, contributed in whichever way to make this uh, project to stand. And I still call on all of us 
to help young people of my type, of my age, and from different places in the world who want to ensure that they change the lives of other people. Thank you so much. And he's just such an inspiring and inspired young man uh, who really is changing the face of, of his community uh, for the better. It's, it's powerful stuff. And he wasn't alone up there. We had a uh, perennial favorite of the Resolve Gala, Hana, uh, from the Project Transformation. And the cool thing is, uh, when you're listening to her words in a second, just remember that her organization, which takes uh, food waste, essentially excess food from charity and corporate events in New York, uh, and gives them to homeless shelters, they were actually picking up the food from the very gala that she was at later that night. So really words into action. Hi everyone, I'm Hannah and I'm the co-founder of Transfernation, which if you look at the programs, is the company that's going to pick up and redistribute the extra food from tonight's event. So basically what we do is we have this app that works kind of like Uber for extra food. So how many of you have ever been to a party or a gala or a wedding or hosted something at your house where there's been a ton of extra food left over? Why isn't everyone in the room raising their hands? But um, basically, so what happens is you're left with like 10 trays of macaroni and you have no idea what to do with it. So what we do is we give you an easy on-demand way to get it to someone who needs it. Odds are there's a shelter less than a mile away from your house that could use it. And so in the same way that Uber works, you can request a pickup from one of our volunteers or drivers. They'll come get it and redistribute it to the closest homeless shelter or soup kitchen within the hour. In the last year, we've done approximately 125,000 pounds, which... Which is great, and it translates to approximately 110,000 meals going to eight shelters around the city. Something really cool about, about the model the Transformation has, they're serving a homeless population with the food that they're, that they're collecting, but they're being paid a fee that's lower than what it would cost the organization that's donating the food to throw out the food because they'd have to pay a private carter to pick it up. But they're not pocketing that money. They're using it to pay people who are at risk of becoming homeless uh, or who are, have recently exited the, the social service system there um, and are trying to get back into the workforce, they're paying them to pick up that food and take it there. So they're, they're generating income for these, these people too. At Resolve in years past, I know we've always had some amazing musical performances from Estelle to All For One to Natasha Bedingfield. This year um, was amazing to say the least as well and Oliver you had a, a bucket list moment there you could say that yeah so for those listening who know me uh, I have a little uh, amateur talent as a beatboxer uh, and I gotta be honest with you Razel who is the godfather of noise the greatest beatboxer mm -hmm. alive uh, him gracing us with his presence on stage was wonderful I got a little bit of a chance to jam with him which uh, pretty much uh, made my whole night um, but actually what really made my night and this is just something that goes down to Razel as a person is this incredible performer spent real time with everyone who came to the gala. He was working the crowd. He was learning from every single fellow. He hit, we have seven installations at Resolve that represent the areas of impact resolution fellows have. And we were lucky this year because each one had the actual fellow that was being featured there in the room. And Razel was hanging out with all of them. I mean, uh, you want to talk about someone who really kind of walks the talk of believing in social change and supporting people. 
came to perform to share his talent with us, but also to learn. And I think uh, he had a really fun time, and sure, uh, sure that I did. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Rozelle perform uh, with The Roots back probably around 2002, 2003, and went out and bought his solo album the next day. I mean, the man is unbelievable. The, 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 the singing while beatboxing piece will never, ever get old. It is incredible. That's right. At the same time. <laughs> I'm actually going to uh, pull rank here as editor of this podcast, and uh, we're going to have to insert some of this audio. So here it is, Oliver Libby and Razel jamming out at Resolve. Give it up for the resolution. I'm a, you're going to do your thing, I'm going to come right in with you. I'm going to back you up. you heard it all I mean I can basically hang up my beatboxing forever because it's never gonna get better than that yeah as, as somebody who's not uh, an amateur or semi-professional beatboxer I can just say that is really really impressive and must have been super fun um, but you know I think for me one of the one of the highlights um, was seeing Rozelle talking to one of our fellows at his at his installation uh, Juan Dile who's one of our fellows he's from Durban, South Africa. Um, he started the Ubuntu Design Group, which is a, a project focused on, on using design to empower in South Africa in a place where design historically has been used as a, as a method to oppress. And Razel was standing there for 15 minutes talking to Wandile about his project and learning about it. And mind you, Wandile just the day before had stepped off a plane coming back from Puerto Rico. Now, as you probably know, Puerto Rico was struck with just the devastating impact of Hurricane Maria. And uh, Wandile had come had gone down there to work with the community, um, the community leaders around how to, what houses could be saved, what couldn't, and how to build more resilient housing and communities. And you know, if that were the only fellow who was doing that, it would be impressive enough. But what we saw over this past month and a half where communities have just been struck with devastating natural disaster after devastating natural disaster, really, really heartbreaking and sobering stuff. Um, we've seen resolution fellows keep stepping up they're the first responders. They're the ones that are diving in headfirst, bringing their business models, their expertise, or just sheer willpower and energy to solve some of the issues that these communities are facing. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a team in Orlando that's mainly working with the homeless population on cardiac health. So they they work with homeless people and try and make sure that they get access to medical tests. They're going to help them uh, live healthier lives. Um, They were about to get evacuated uh, from Orlando, and they got back off their buses to go into the community because they realized that the homeless uh, that they work with were not aware that there was a hurricane coming and not aware of where to find shelter. And they walked the streets and brought over 150 Uh, homeless people in Orlando to shelters and made sure that they could survive the hurricane. And I got to tell you, when you think about what proves the point that if you bring a young person into the experience of being a social entrepreneur, you're going to alter who they are as a leader and a person, this would be what you'd look for. You'd say, it's great that they're doing their projects and being successful, but when a crisis arises and they step up as the leaders in their communities, they expand the vision that they had with their original venture and apply those skills and talents to the crisis at hand, that's leadership. And frankly, in a world that needs as much leadership as we can get our hands on at the moment, that's really been inspiring for me. So I think we're running out of time here, so I might just wrap this up uh, with a couple of updates. Uh, George and Oliver, what are some recent and upcoming highlights? So I'm really excited to share that Team Resolution just ran the New York City Marathon. Uh, It's 26.2 miles, all to benefit the Resolution Project. They raised about $20,000 for the organization. Uh, This was Eric, Vanessa, Kevin, Todd, and Bob, who uh, who all put in all the time to train, to fundraise, and um, to wear proudly the resolution logo on their on their chests as they as they uh, ran through the five boroughs, um, setting a bunch of personal records. And I'll tell you, twenty six point two miles that's a that's a long haul. Uh, I did that uh, back in two thousand six, um, and you know I was on the sidelines cheering them on at just past mile fourteen, and it is always so inspiring. Uh, to see the people that are running and especially to see them doing it for for causes. So a big thank you to Team Resolution. George, I want to make an announcement. I did not run the marathon. (laughs) However, if anyone out there wants to make a million-dollar pledge to Resolution, I will walk, crawl, and haul my way through the New York City Marathon. We may need a new chair of the board afterward, but, hey, it'll be for the fellows, right? Um, And, by the way, speaking of for the fellows, uh, you all know about Giving Tuesday, uh, hashtag. uh, It's something that uh, we should all take part in. Uh, Resolution will be uh, taking part in Giving Tuesday, so it would be a really wonderful day to talk about why we mean something to you, why our fellows mean something to you, you and obviously to give um, and it's just a, an, an awesome way for the holidays to, to lead to real action uh, out there because our fellows are on the front lines they're helping their communities they're helping people in need and we can all be there for them yeah last year we, we uh, thanks to your generosity um, we were able to raise about twenty two thousand dollars this year we're targeting thirty thousand dollars on giving Tuesday so hoping that uh, that everyone can swing in with a little bit of support just to help make that happen Thank you both very much for joining us for our very first podcast. This will be a monthly podcast, so stay tuned, everyone, for future updates. If you're interested in learning more about any of the Resolution Fellows we discussed today, please take a look at the description for links to their work. And lastly, if you do have any questions or comments, please email us at info at resolutionproject.org, or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Hashtag Oliver runs 26.2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been nice knowing you all. <laughs>